You're listening to Heating Up the UK, a Miami Heat UK-based podcast, bringing you the best heat media guests every single week. Here's your host, Dan Healy, brought to you by at the Miami Heat UK social media network. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to episode 40 of Heating Up the UK, a Miami Heat UK-based podcast. I'm your host, Dan Healy. And before we come into today's episode, I just want to say thank you to everybody who has wished me well. Um, had a 10-day or so uh, bout with COVID. Um, put that on the, uh, on, the, on the Twitter feed to say I was going to be absent for a little while. And um, it was very touching, the response I received. A couple of hundred messages wishing, wishing me well. Um, so I'm hopefully now through the other side, um, feeling much, much better. Um, so yes, thank you very much. Very touching to uh, to see all the supports. And uh, yeah, we are back now with a lot of content. We're back now as of next week with two episodes of Hitting Up the UK every single week. We're also going to be uh, recording. I'm just putting the finishing touches together for the second episode of the Heat Hubs. So that's going to be great fun. That'll be dropping this weekend. And hopefully also the next episode of Tepid Takes will be back this weekend, if not very early into next week. So again, thank you very much for all the well wishes. And secondly, you may have seen today that we have released now our second wave of Vice Fits merch. We've got six new tees that we have just dropped. They are fantastic. I'm really pleased with the outcome of them. If you've not seen any of our uh, merch before, have a look at our Twitter. It is at ViceFits. There is a uh, about 20 t-shirts and hoodie designs on there, all Miami Heat related with an infusion of Vice theming. So go and check that out. On to today's episode, and I'm delighted to join me once again with one of my favourite people on this platform. It's David Ramil from Locked on Heat. David, how are you, sir? I'm doing very well, Dan, and I can just say on behalf of everybody else, as you mentioned before, we're so grateful that everything's okay with you and that you're feeling much better because I know that I was personally concerned and I'm also honored that you would have me on the show after your 10-day layoff. So thank you very much for having me on the show. Oh, not at all. And thank you very much. Yes. Um, yeah, really, really touching. Uh, really didn't expect that sort of uh, response. But yes, as I said, I think I got away with it relatively mildly. But uh, no, it is no joke that uh, that that virus. So please, as always, do your bits, wear your mask, etc. Because it's not a nice thing to deal with. But anyway, we are back and we are talking at a good time, David, because we are talking in between the Raptors series. Uh, we got a very nice, uh, relatively convincing win in the end last night. And good to be back to winning ways after a bit of a slump so um there were some real nice key things in a shorthanded um performance last night once again missing some key players jimmy butler avery bradley tyler harrow all out and i had tweeted before the game that if we was going to get something from this resurgent toronto team then kendrick nunn would have to step up once again as he did in the game before um and uh, he absolutely did uh, 28 points, I think that is right. 28 points game, um, looking much like the Kendrick we loved at the beginning of last season. Uh, what do you think, David? Is uh, is this now Kendrick? Are we talking? Is he back now, or um, is this just uh, you know something that is uh, sort of getting his confidence back? And we've got to be a bit more careful. What do you think? How did you rate Kendrick Nunn's performance last night? Oh, I mean, it was absolutely fantastic and certainly reminiscent of his performance from early last season. I think from the time period which he was injured, say, mid-February, all the way through the Orlando bubble and, of course, through the start of this season, we just 
haven't seen these kinds of performances from Kendrick in you know almost a year now. When you think about it, that's quite a bit of time. And and while he yeah. built enough momentum for that Rookie of the Year candidacy early on, he obviously tapered off. But yesterday. And the day before, or the game before, yeah. rather, against the Detroit Pistons, where he looked confident that three-point shot was effortless. He looked just like he was in perfect rhythm uh, and willing to take those shots aggressively, and, and they were falling. So I'm not sure whether or not this is uh, a resurgence. I'm not sure if Kendrick is back as much as I'd like to believe that's the case. I just, you know, he's he's going to get opportunities. If there was anything that stood out to me from the post-game press conference with Eric Spolster is how much he just really connects with Kendrick on a personal level. Mm -hmm. Like he appreciates him to such a high degree, his grit and determination. And he talks about him in a way that I haven't seen him talk about anybody else other than Dwayne and maybe Jimmy and Goron to certain, on uh, a certain extent, but to, to hear him talk about Kendrick, it's such a, a just an interesting connection between the two. And so I think he's going to continue to go to that well as often as he can. But I just, with Kendrick, I, I don't know. I, I really don't know what to make because I wouldn't have expected him to fall off the, the face of the earth the way he did mm -hmm. so completely. And yet here he is back again. It's good to see that he's been putting in the work in order to get to this point. And with him, it's so hard to tell because he just, he never seems like he loses faith in himself or confidence. And he's just so even keeled through the bad games, through the great games. He just doesn't seem to respond, at least not publicly or in any way that might be demonstrable to, to, to us. So it's just, it's very strange. I, I, I think he's going to get playing time. I'd like to say that he's, you know, back to some degree. I just don't know how realistic it is also once we get the full complement of players back. Once Avery Bradley's in for defensive purposes, does none continue to get the same amount of playing time? Certainly not with Tyler Hero. So mm. given given that the roster is right now undermanned, I understand why Kendrick is playing. I just don't know that's going to change or move forward in any kind of different angle once the players are back. Yeah, that um, it's an interesting one with Kendrick because he's got, he's got a very limited time here to try and like stamp his game back in in this team because we're, we're expecting the same players out again tomorrow maybe Tyler Herrera will be back we're not sure um, but um, he's got an opportunity here to get some real minutes again which wasn't the case a few games back um, and he really strikes me probably more so than anybody else as a real confidence player if those first couple of shots drop you think you feel like the rhythm is there immediately then once he's in rhythm he, he is unbelievable he really is like it just seems like everything that he does the ball handling is great um every time those those little sort of mid-range floaters that he does that's his bread and butter he just you really feel like that if he gets into that rhythm he's going to carry us to you know arguably a, a win so it, it really that that confidence is really important with him so he's got this chance now that's the back-to-back -back 20 plus uh, point games um, to try and stamp his, his way back into this team. Because if he does this again and then again, then suddenly he's now putting, you know, some, some pressure on Spo to start saying, hey, you know, I was a starter last year when I was playing this way. Could he now become, if he carries on this river, does, does Spo now start to make a decision on, you know, Kendrick's going to be starting? I, you know, that's a tough question, right? I, I, I can't imagine that he's going to plug him back into that starting lineup. Mm. It just seems, I don't think he can, you know, I don't think he could put Hero back on the bench because at this point you're kind of leaning into that experiment yeah. and it's paid off. And Hero was looking really good before his neck injury too. So I, I don't know mm -hmm. if you can just bench him and risk that blowing up. I, look, conversely, the point I made on my recap yesterday was, you know, this is all great to have all these players continue to get experience and playing time and things of that sort. Even the fact that Gabe Vincent's getting minutes, that yeah. Kendrick is getting back into the flow of things. This is just 
boosting an already very deep squad. So once you get these players back, like Hero and Bradley, et cetera, I think it's just going to help Miami. As far as Spoh's lineups are concerned, I think he'll go back to Hero starting. And then just Kendrick might be the guy who comes off the bench alongside Goran Dragic. I think there's a, a pretty solid chemistry there. I mean, I could see how it would work out in Miami's favor. That would certainly be a good offensive duo. Uh, and then you could bring in Bradley for defensive purposes as well. But, I mean, that's that's – I think you're 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 starting to get into that territory where you might even have a little bit of a log jam and, and maybe a trade might be necessary just to free up some minutes there. Yeah, it's um it's it's a little bit I looked step back on it and thought, well, it's a little bit of a of a warning for all of us because we get a bit carried away. I mean, this was a guy that um with Kendrick a few games back, he was so unplayable that he was he he wasn't even tenth man anymore. Gabe Vincent had taken that spot. Um, and now suddenly, within just a couple of games, because he started to come off the bench, started very well, gained us some points, and now he's looking, he's suddenly, he's, he's just looking like the player that, as I said, we, he was at the beginning of last year. We've now got to maybe slow down and go, OK, well, maybe that's a warning to say, don't write everybody off. It is all just a little bit of a confidence thing sometimes, a bit of a rhythm thing. Uh, you know, we came off of a very short break. Uh, players all take their time to adapt. So... I look at it as though I can't see exactly as what you just said there, him taking Hero out, who, again, he struggled and then got better and then got injured. So I think that that's something that uh, Spo is going to continue to look at. Um, but Kendrick Nunn now, if nothing else is, if we if he can just continue that momentum, uh, we've got now a very good role player back again. The last thing that I'll say on Kendrick Nunn before we move on is if this carries on, what would you think is now more realistic? He will just become a regular um rotation player for us another handy rotation player for us or do you see that if anything else now he is increasing his trade value once again for a potential trade down the line for example like an Oladipo something like that do you think now he's he's getting that sort of value back well his contract is so low that it's just he's more like anything I hate to kind of um, categorize people like this but he's more just trade filler you know just as a salary compliment yeah, I mean it's you could see that that talent's there. And I, I think around the league, you still see that he is viewed as a, a potential high scorer and, you know, a six-man kind of candidate where you could bring him off the bench and have him be uh, that boost to your offense. So I, I think that's been pretty consistent even when he wasn't playable for most of the last season. I, I don't know. I, I think he would uh, – I don't think he's quite ready to be a rotation player yet either because I think, you know, given Spo. The way he prides defense more than anything else, I think Bradley's going to continue to get minutes just because he's a veteran hero, obviously, is the future for this team. And, and you know, Goron is Goron. So I, I just, I think Vince, I'm sorry, I'm, I think Nunn's going to continue to get some playing time sporadically based on certain matchups. And maybe mm -hmm. if one of those players gets into foul trouble or something like that, more like an emergency, in case of emergency break class. Yeah, okay, that's, that's fair enough. Um, so... Last night before that, I did say that tweet about Kendrick would need to be good again if we're going to get a win. And he was, and we did get a win. So that's great. But obviously, if you looked at that, we would have looked at a team against Toronto who are, as I said, they, they're resurgent, three wins on a trot, suddenly was looking much more like themselves. Um, so we was all looking at this and going, OK, if we're going to get something here, very importantly, we've got to get Bam and Dragic have got to do the business. And they did, don't get me wrong. They were good, both of them again last night, but they weren't lights out. You know, they was, it was just a solid performance. But it was two others, really, that caught my eye last night. Kelly Olynyk and Andre Iguodala were both fantastic. Um, Iguodala, despite being 212 years old or whatever it is, um, he's still got some bounce in his legs. How impressed was you with it was Iggy last night? Oh, he was fantastic. I mean, he had that one breakaway dunk there. Uh, and just he, he seems to 
always find a way to make the right play too. Mm -hmm. I, I just either, you know, making deflections or finding the right pass. Yeah. A couple of them may have sailed out of bounds there, but overall I'd say he's just continues to find a way to make a positive impact, even at age 36, not quite 212. <laughs> I love you, Wiggy. Sorry. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. I thought that it was arguably um, his best game for us last night. He's been actually pretty good this season all round, but last night I thought maybe it was just because it caught your eye because there was a bit more scoring and his three-point shot looks really good. But just in general, he's, he's just his hands are still so quick and that defensive veteran presence, I was really impressed and it really made me smile. And he, he was smiling a lot, Iggy, last night, which is great to see. Uh, Kelly Olynyk was also brilliant. Um, 15 points, eight rebounds, eight assists, almost a triple-double there. Uh, a couple, not that long ago, only about a week ago, uh, we was having this real debate across so every podcast really was talking about who's going to take this problematic number four. Um, that's not on the agenda anymore. Kelly's come in and done great, isn't it? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I couldn't have foreseen this, to be honest with you. I didn't really think he'd be able to step up. And yeah, we knew that the on-off numbers together when he pairs with Bam were always pretty positive throughout the last couple of seasons, but just felt like he wasn't quite part of that rotation. Not to the point where you, you'd promote him into the starting lineup, but he's done a pretty good job just mixing up that offense, bringing in another playmaker to compliment Bam, and obviously a guy who can stretch the floor. Only two of six last night, but overall, I'd say that just the threat of him as a three-point shooter is still a valid concern. And you have to respect that as a defender. Yeah, definitely. And um, as I said, he's an interesting one. We, we know his strengths. We know his weaknesses. Um, he's a player that's out of contracts, like many, uh, at the end of this season. I think he's on about 11 or 12 million, something like that. Um, yeah. If he carries on around this sort of, if, in this form and becomes a solid rotation player, do we do we go again with Kelly? Do we give him something else? Do we see, get, see another term? That's that's a tough one to answer, right? Because obviously their yep. plan A is to acquire a superstar, but now Giannis is off the books. Uh, James Harden is off the books. Bradley Beal, is that still a potential option for a trade? I, I don't know. I, I just... I could see a sign-and-trade kind of thing being worked out in order to acquire mm -hmm. said superstar, but I think... For Kelly, it just seems like his his tenure in Miami, and and he has a part in this too. It's been so up and down as far as his you know level of play. He's been inconsistent. This is something that dogged him even before that when he was with the Celtics. But in Miami, he's always been you know up and down, and his minutes have gone commensurately with that performance. And I think he just wants something that's going to be a little bit more stable. I remember having this conversation with you about Jay Crowder when we did the exit yeah. interview for Locked On Heat, and and you know one of the debates was. Does, does Jay want to stay? And yeah, I thought he wanted to, but at the same time, he also wanted that stability of a long-term contract, which is why he signed with Phoenix. So I think for Kelly, he's at that right point now where he's not going to get a lot of more deals, even though he's what 29, I think. Yep. He's, he's, he doesn't have a lot of other options as far as down the road. He, he has to get a four-year deal whenever that's available. And I just don't think he's going to get that from Miami, considering they want to retain some flexibility down the road. Mm, yeah, no, that's, a, that's a good point. It'll be interesting to see where it comes on. But it's great to see Kelly in a good form because, um, you know, he's, he, on his day, he's a really solid, really solid player. I, I, like, I like Kelly. Um, OK, so Miami, have, I think, as it stands, have the most um, changes to their starting lineups in the league. Um, obviously, we understand why. Um, lots of players out with COVID, etc., or health protocols, or just injuries in general. So we, this was always going to happen. We're going to see lots of changes. But Spoke confuses me a little bit with some of the um, some some of the the, the ins and, and outs and how short some leashes are on some players. No more so perhaps than Casey at Parler. Um, now Casey is somebody who he Twitter has sort of is almost had like cult uh, hero status 
uh, online. We, 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 we've fallen in love with KZ. Um, we can see his potential. He's got great length. He's a good shooter. He's agile. He's young. So he's got plenty to be uh, that, that, that we like. But um, it, a player that I think came, came in, had a really good game. Um, I can't remember who it was against now, so excuse me. But um, lots, of, lots of minutes, lots of points, done really well. Then the next game fell into early foul trouble, played a couple of minutes and that was it. And then last night, not at all. Didn't see him. Same with Mo Harkless. Obviously started, didn't start well, uh, came out of the rotation, then came in, had a really solid game. Everybody was saying that's that's the Mo Harkless we signed last night. Didn't see him. Um, what, do, what do we think with this? What 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 is this about? We've spoke because other players, Gabe Vincent, for example, he got 30 something minutes last night. He shot the ball terribly, yet he stays in. What, what, what's the thinking here? I, look, with Opala, in contrast to what I mentioned before about Nunn, I, I feel like he just hasn't done enough to impress Spolstra behind the scenes, and there mm. are concerns about whether or not he's shown up in practice and uh, whether or not he's as fully engaged as Spo likes to be. That, to me, it always feels like it's so subjective because, you know, he has an idea of what you should be like as a player and how you should approach these things. And if you don't meet that criteria, which I don't know that anybody else understands other than him, then you just don't get the playing time. So conversely, I, I just, you know, none has met that criteria. Opala yeah. apparently hasn't as far as last night and not playing. My feeling is that it, it's probably because he's saving them for the next couple of games because it's, it's not a back to back, but it's this two game set against, uh, the Toronto Raptors, and then the two back-to-back -back games against Brooklyn on on uh, was it Friday? No, Saturday and and Sunday. So I think that's the concern there is that you want to be able to rest some of these guys, which is why I think Harkless didn't play. I think he would have played if not for the fact that I think he's saving him. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Harkless in the starting lineup uh, on Friday. We'll see how it plays out. We've just got a notification right now that Avery Bradley uh, and um, Myers Leonard and Jimmy Butler are all going to be out on Friday. So uh, unfortunately, they won't be available. Hero is questionable, as you mentioned, too. So. You know, I, I, I think that's part of the rationale there with Okpala is that he, you know, he just hasn't done enough in practice. And then as far as saving him uh, in an Harkless too, you know, they're, they'll get their minutes. I, I think yeah. this is going to be such a weird season that every coach has to kind of go through these weird stretches. The, the, the fact that the Raptors have had a, a fairly consistent starting lineup, as they mentioned on yesterday's broadcast, that's a pretty that's pretty odd. I think most teams are probably somewhere like Miami and that they're just going through these constant changes to the lineups because you know you have players out due to contact tracing or other health and safety protocols you've got actual injuries piling up you've got a compressed season where you're playing 72 games over this short amount of time that it's just a recipe for disaster and you're going to have players miss time from here and here and there and then of course you also want to give them rest considering Miami in particular has this short off season so you can't put them out there for 10 games straight and not risk some kind of injury. Yep, absolutely. And a weird season it has been. It really has. I mean, we had uh, obviously the big three now in Brooklyn finally playing together. James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant all finally getting their going. And of course, they lose to the Cavs in double overtime. We've got the Knicks in playoff positions. It's just crazy times at the moment. But we'll see if it works out. Miami have got their first back-to-back -back win of the season. So is this a corner turned now? We've got a tough run coming up. A um, couple of games against the Nets coming up. Denver. Clippers, so it doesn't get much easier. Um, hopefully, we'll get some players back. But do you feel like now this is something that we can finally build something, maybe a, a momentum on, or is this a long, long way to go yet before we can start making those sorts of uh, accusations? I, I think you're just starting to trend in the right direction as far as like building those kind of good habits that Spo often mentions. 
to me, until you get your full complement of players back, until you get Jimmy and have him be back to all-star form, because he's had, like, I want to say maybe two total good games, and the rest of them have been either struggles or he's been out because of health and safety protocols or even injuries. So you need Jimmy to be back to his all-star self where he's getting to the line, where he's shooting somewhat proficiently, and, of course, playing defense at an all-caliber level. So once you get all these players back, then you can kind of start to figure out how do you how do you mesh the old version with the new version? How do you get playing time for Kendrick Nunn and Tyler Hero and maybe even Gabe Vincent or Casey Okpala along the way so that you can still build and keep everything fresh and not risk injury? That's that's going to be the ultimate challenge to me when I see what Spolstra has to handle is that he's going to be able to figure everybody out, work this rotation you know, maximize this depth because it's been such a problem in the past. Like, obviously, it's very, very different. But I think, like, a couple of years ago, there was this vision that Miami had this really deep team with Josh Richardson and Justice Winslow. And how do you play these guys alongside Deion Waiters and James Johnson? And yes, you had a lot of deep, you know, a deep bench. But at the same time, you had nobody kind of rise to the occasion. You still mm -hmm. need somebody like Jimmy Butler to kind of say, all right, no, this is my team and everybody else has to follow suit. And I just that's my concern is that once Jimmy comes back, uh, that he's healthy and able to play at a high level and then everybody will understand how to play again alongside somebody like Jimmy, because it's not it's not the easiest challenge in the world. Yeah, I think that's a, a it's an important thing, because a lot of time when when you're in the slump and, you know, you're playing with eight players and you know, all your key uh, starters are out and so on. And people still seem to overreact. I know that's the general way it is, but it was really important thing to just say, uh, for me especially, was just like, look, I'm not even, the, the regular season at the moment is going to be a mess. I'm not even really, uh, ju no, I'm not judging this team at the moment. You've got to wait for your leader to come back at least and the key players before we start. I mean, I couldn't even tell you what the what the one to eight is at the moment in the East or the West. I haven't even really looked at it. Um, so the, when we get to 20, 25, 30 games in, the season will take shape. Hopefully, we'll have some players back, and then you can start to think, okay, right, where can we go? Where can we seed, etc. So, I did, think that's an important. It's an important thing to, to to bring up, definitely. Did you? Um, were you at a state of panic following the the Pistons blowout? Because I know that was the game where everybody just said, "No way, this team has to be blown up," and it's just absolutely not the kind of team that we saw go to the finals last year. Were you in a state of panic? Uh, I. I I was um, I was pissed off mainly because I was up uh, in the early hours and you don't want to be up in the early hours watching the team getting blown out by the worst team in the in the conference. Um, so that I was more I was more just annoyed. But again, you just think, okay, it's one of them. Uh, you know, the next night we came back and again we started terribly, and that's when I was really starting to fume. But we um, we we came back and we played really well. But I do you you have to. And I know it's so reactionary, especially on Twitter and social media. Um, but you just have to just look at it as a bigger picture and just say, look. We're without our team at the moment. This isn't a reflection of this team. And when we get them back, if the results then start to uh, not improve, then maybe you start to point the, uh, the finger and say, OK, who's worth keeping, trading, etc. because this isn't right. At the moment, you can't do that because the team isn't complete. So, yeah, it was it was not nice. It was nice viewing, but um, you have to be a bit more level-headed, unfortunately. So uh, we'll see. Um, as far as the standings are concerned, I'm just looking this up right now because I'm curious myself. Four and a half games separate teams one through 13 in the Eastern Conference. And that, thir <laughs> that 13th team is the Toronto Raptors, which you know are going to find a way to eventually pull it out. So I, it's all up in the air, right? I it's mean, the, the regular season is so insane. Right now, the Sixers are the one seed in the Eastern Conference with a 10-5 and five record. 
there you go. There you go. And I know the Knicks are in there somewhere, and that's when you really know that things aren't good because uh, I've never seen the Knicks hiding about 14th ever. Eighth so, seed, um, eighth seed right now. Oh, just yeah? one game below 500. They're right there. They're so close. Wow. Okay. There we go. Right. Um, upcoming, David. It doesn't really get much easier right now. We've got a double. We've got obviously the other half of Toronto. Now you expect that's going. They're going to be better because they wasn't good last night. Uh, well, actually, that's maybe a bit harsh. They were okay. Miami played very well, so let's not take that away from us. Uh, but another tough game against Toronto. Then we're back-to-back outside uh, in Brooklyn. Um, we'll talk about them in a minute. Um, Denver, Clippers, and then I think Kings. Um, so not an easy stretch for Miami. Oh, absolutely not. Uh, the fact is, at least after they get past that series with the Nets and they come back, I think there's a, I want to say a six-game homestand, which, you know, obviously now we also received notification today that they'll be letting fans into the arena, so that should mm. be an interesting prospect there. Playing in front of uh, 1,500 or so fans starting next Thursday, I believe. Not yeah. that what's game your, against... What's your, thoughts? what's your thoughts on that? Sorry to interrupt. What's your thoughts no. on that, David, before we carry on? Is that, um, it's, for me, it doesn't sit very well, but I'm on a different continent, so what's, uh, what's the feelings in Miami? I, uh, I I can't say I agree with the policy either. I, I don't want to burn my bridges with the team. And, and uh, I mean, I'm actually writing a story about this right now. And I'm supposed okay. to I'm supposed to be interviewing the owner of the company that is introducing the dog sniffing uh, element yeah. here. I don't know if you've heard about this, but yeah, they'll be. Ha- yeah. Dogs that will be able to detect covid. And if you are positive or if you have some kind of symptoms whatsoever, they'll they'll sit at, at once they sniff you. If not, they'll just walk right past you so that is mm. it, it sounds like it's you know somewhat different and an out-of-the-box way of thinking of things but it also seems somewhat risky uh i think fans are going to be separated there's going to be plenty of social distancing my understanding is that you can't have food in the lower bowl or concourses so you're going to have an outdoor eating area i think they're trying to do everything possible in order to make this you know work as well as you possibly can but it also feels unnecessarily risky just to make a couple extra money, uh, mm-hmm. extra dollars here and there, I just it doesn't seem like yeah. it doesn't seem like the right decision to me. I would hope that they would have just postponed it and sank sank that money elsewhere rather than trying to recreate the game experience. Because you've heard from players, I've heard from players. I think they all acknowledge that they'd want fans and the fan experience to be back, but in the reality is they, they don't really care. Like I mean, they're they like playing to the crowd, but they also played very well without a crowd at all in Orlando. And so yep. to me, uh, I, I think the fan experience is one for the fans, not for the players. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I apologize. I did interrupt. So yeah, we're back for a six game homestand. You were saying. Yeah. Uh, so that should be a, an interesting challenge for Miami. Get some good teams there and, and kind of uh, as far as Brooklyn is concerned, I know we'll talk about them soon, yep. but I, my feeling is that, that's going to be such a great defensive test. Miami, I think, played some really good defense against Toronto, particularly in the fourth quarter when they held up to 28% shooting. They shut down Kyle Lowry. And maybe there, there's some issues there with Lowry in general, but I, the fact that they were able to defend at such a high level without your arguably your two best perimeter defenders in Bradley and Butler, I think, speaks volumes. And hopefully they'll be back in term, in time for the, the Brooklyn matchup because that's going to be a, a really impossible yeah. challenge if you can't defend them to a high level. I don't know that Miami scoring is going to be enough to, to match what the Nets can do. But uh, mm-hmm. at the very least, you're going to try and defend them to the best of your ability, which is easier said than done, obviously. Yeah, I mean, um, I think you, I think you're completely right. If Butler and Bradley are still out by that, uh, those those two games, then I think that could get pretty ugly because, um, you know, the, everyone's sort of split on the Brooklyn thing. Um, I sit on the fence where I, well, I I put my 
in the ring of, I don't care how defensively bad they'll be, how do you guard three of the best offensive players in the league? Um, so I just think they'll be, it'll be like last night, they'll win, they'll, I mean, okay, I know they fell short in the end, but I just see them winning games 149, 148 regularly. So I think that they're going to be extremely dangerous. Um, what do you think then on the on this, on this move? Because obviously James Harden was very much linked with Miami. You know that I was very much in the, uh, in the trade for Harden camp. In fact, just literally, I think 20 minutes before it was announced that he was going, that was the first time that I moved away so I rode away from Harden Island. Um, and that was because um, I watched the game, uh, his last game against the Lakers, where I saw this guy that was just sort of so uninterested, throwing balls, just like not not willing, not, not, just not a player at all. And I just thought to myself, you know what? Um, this was on the game as well, where I think we'd uh, the same night where our eight players took the, uh, the Sixers starters to the very end, uh, losing out just at, just at the end there. And, um, I thought to myself, you know what? No, I don't. I don't want this anymore. I want to stick with my guys. And that, and then literally twenty minutes later, it was announced that he went to uh, he was going to Brooklyn. So, um, what do you think on this experiment? Do you, do you think that this is an, a car crash waiting to happen and it could go very wrong, or do you see them like me that they'll just outscore anybody? And for me now, they actually are the favourites. Yeah, I'd have to say I'm in that latter camp. I think that they'll figure it out. I think they'll make changes. They'll tweak the roster somehow. They'll bring somebody in either via trade or you know uh, somebody that's bought out or a free agent or something like that they'll they'll be able to make enough moves around the edges and i trust that sean marks is a good enough general manager where he can pull it off obviously the Kyrie situation is the biggest question mark because you wonder how he'll play alongside harden as the de facto point guard i think harden assumes that responsibility moving forward but that's not to say that all three of them can't create plays for everybody else that's you know that's the strength of what you have offensively is that you have these incredible shooters and playmakers and, and versatile scorers that can do so much on the floor so uh when you have those incredible talents i mean historically good scores i think you're going to find a way to win so to me i agree with you i believe that they are the favorite in the eastern conference and certainly more than enough for any team to handle uh i mean yes obviously we we saw that there are going to be issues defensively but i think those will be figured out sooner rather mm -hmm. than later yeah yeah i totally agree i think that um they're, they're going to be a juggernaut so um Hopefully they'll be back because that's going to be a really interesting uh, series. If we can get Jimmy and Avery back, um, that, that's going to be a real sort of bench point to where this team are right now. Um, of course, Brooklyn will be experimenting still. They'll still have to work there, the, how this is going to work with these three stars. So there'll be a, maybe a few teething problems. So it might not be the worst time to play them uh, in this doubleheader, but it's going to be a great series. Hopefully our guys will be back. So David, before I let you go, let's just get a quick prediction then. So the next six games, Toronto, Brooklyn, Brooklyn, Denver, Clippers and then I believe Kings. Um, what would you take? What would you be see as a successful spell through those six games? Uh, as a successful spell, given the uh, situation with Jimmy and Bradley and Hero, I'd say three and three would be a very successful one. Mm -hmm. I, I'd say uh, one and five is a distinct possibility, maybe even two and four. <laughs> so I, 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 maybe that's somewhat pessimistic, but I mean that you look at the strength of that schedule and yeah. and given that you're going to incorporate. Jimmy Butler, after he's missed two weeks, uh, that's, you know, he looked rusty at the start of the season when he mm -hmm. had missed a significant amount of time during, he didn't play during the preseason, which, you know, was shortened anyway, but he looked rusty to start and, uh, you know, he didn't quite get into form until a couple of games later after he came back from injury. So even assuming that he's healthy isn't a guarantee that he's going to be the productive all-star, all-NBA level Jimmy Butler that we've seen in the past. So 
it's going to be tough. Uh, you know, the matchups are going to be difficult. That Denver one is going to be, I think they can be beaten. I think you can, if you can steal one game against the Nets, you'll be lucky. You know, the Raptors are going to try to bounce back to the Clippers present some matchup nightmares. Maybe Sacramento is not quite the easy game that you would have penciled uh, a couple of years ago. So, uh, you know, that's it's going to be really tough. I mean, mm. three and three. If they go four and two, I would be floored. If they go three and three, I think that would be fantastic. Without a doubt, I will happily take two and four now. Um, you <laughs> took the word. You took the words out. My, I know that might sound like it's a lack of guts and all the rest of it, but you took the words out of my mouth. Butler being back is one thing, but he's missed a lot of games and he wasn't looking great to start with anyway. He was rusty, right. as you say. So um, I think the only way we can get free and free or better, we have to take tomorrow's game against Toronto whilst we're on this sort of mini wave of winning back-to-back games. So I think that's very important. I think if we can get that second W against Toronto tomorrow, uh, there's a chance yet we can get three and three or even better. But no, I would I would take a, a, a two and four. It's a tough run, as you say. So uh, we'll see. We'll see how the guys come back. Um, but nice to see, as we talk right now, um, it's nice to see a bit of momentum back and a bit of confidence back and some players looking like their old selves. That's great. David? Lovely to talk to you, as always. Uh, where can everybody find you? Well, you can always find me uh, and follow me on my personal account at DRamil13 at Twitter or follow me at Locked on Heat. I try to provide re- daily recaps of each game and as well as uh, new shows covering topics from around the NBA. So uh, always follow those whenever possible. Uh, and again, I'll be writing a piece regarding the the team and their welcoming back from uh, fans uh, for Forbes. So uh, be on the lookout for that over the next couple of days. Yeah, brilliant. If you're not following um, Locked on Heat, then uh, what are you doing? It should be, it's absolutely should be part of your rotation. It's fantastic. Uh, we love it. So, um, yes, thank you very much for joining me. And uh, again, thank you, everybody, for your well wishes. We are back now. Um, content coming uh, at you thick and fast as of the week this weekend. So uh, please tune in. Uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel, Miami Heat UK TV. And we will be back next week with two podcasts. We'll see you soon, guys. You've been listening to Heating Up the UK. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts to ensure you never miss a show. Also, go give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by finding our page at the Miami Heat UK. And subscribe to our YouTube channel, Miami Heat UK TV, for our latest shows and fun content. That's your Miami Heat from across the pond. Covered. Thanks for listening.